From the PSIA AASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair Boots on the Snow with Brian Donovan. Brian, we got snowboard boots on the snow tonight. Absolutely, we do. Uh, we, you know, snowboard boots on the snow is pretty much the name of the game for me every day, so that sounds <laughs> perfect. But I really believe we're talking about uh, a subject that affects any lesson that we teach, and I really want to get into that. We really see this in more in a, in a first-time lesson, but that person who's sliding on snow that really demands the instructor's attention because this person is in way over their head in the first-time lesson. They're having all sorts of trouble with balance, really with, with the entire experience. And we want them to have a great experience, but we also need to have the others in our group have a great experience. But this person just is not getting it. They, they're completely exhausted. Uh, they're not getting the balance. They're having trouble from, from step one, uh, where you're first clicking just one foot onto the board or one boot into a ski. They're having all sorts of trouble. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with that person, Brian. <laughs> I am. I am. And, uh, and I think you set it up well, George. It's like, you know, I think sometimes people look at skiing and snowboarding and, and it, it, on first appearance, you know, they're gravity sports and they don't uh, look like they maybe require a lot of physical uh, fitness level or even coordination level. And so people don't think of them as the same as they might think that they're going to go out and run a race or, or go out and do something uh, that might require a little bit more, you know, stamina or a little bit more physicality. But I also think that's the beauty of our sport, right? Is, is that once you can kind of figure out, uh, turn left a little bit, turn right a little bit and stop in, you don't have to be the most physically fit to enjoy it. And I think there's a, a ton of opportunity for us when we're teaching to not, to find ways to not discourage people and also find ways to connect with them so they can get over those hurdles of, turn left, turn right, and stop it, and then being able to navigate the mountain safely. So yeah, I think this is a cool topic. And I've got to say, this can be one of the most rewarding lessons to teach because when this person gets it, if this person can get it, and even get some small wins along the way, there's a real feeling of success. Yeah, 100%, right? And that's the thing is that everybody that comes to a first-time lesson has way different understanding or expectations of what the sports are. And, and if we can meet some of those expectations and, and connect with people on those and, and get them excited about something new or get them excited about the community or just get them excited about sliding and coming back, I think there's a ton of opportunity there. And I think it can be, like you said, some, some of the most uh, exciting lessons to teach and, and some of the most exciting clients to connect with and, and hopefully reconnect with when they come back. Now, I, I think a lot of issues start really right off the bat because it's so easy to make a have a bad first impression from the way someone walks up carrying their board or their skis they're having all sorts of trouble just getting to line up uh getting to the class and uh, you can see that right off the bat yeah those things that um anytime i'm working with you know instructors or we're sitting around the locker room having chats one of the things i remind them is that uh, we know how easy it is to carry our equipment because we've done it thousands and thousands of times. We know how easy it is to walk, or maybe not easy to walk in boots, whether a ski or snow or boots, but to, how to do it the most effective way. And 
and we have to remember that our our students come out for the first time. They they're exactly that. It's the first time. They don't know those little nuances. And so, I've actually had huge success just connecting with people right out of the gate as as they're walking up the lineup, going over and greeting them and introducing yourself and just showing them how to carry a snowboard or how to carry some skis. And and, and you know we've all seen the uh, the stereotypical pictures of you know a first timer carrying their equipment. And it's easy to identify, but I think it's also really easy to remedy. And I think it's easy for us as pros to to really just make an initial first contact by by going over and saying, "Hey, let me help you out with this," and, and kind of show people an easier way or a more effective way, or just to help them carry their skis over to where they're trying to get them to. Get them over that first hurdle, that first experience of walking in new equipment and carrying all sorts of awkward, heavy equipment, and and just get them to the right place. I think that's a huge opportunity to just win some confidence and win some trust right out of the gate. And, you know, I'm thinking right now of times I have been by far the worst person in the group, not picking it up, uh, trying to learn how to snowboard. It took me quite a while, and it was rather embarrassing. I <laughs> uh, just was having some IT issues at work and going through actually a very simple computer issue, but I just was not getting it. And I could see the frustration in the IT person who was working with me, and you know when you're the one who's slowing down the group or holding up the group or maybe making it maybe not such a great experience for everyone else because you're requiring so much attention and that then can really build on itself and make things go from bad to worse for that person how can we address that right off the bat to to really make them feel like no you're part of the group it doesn't matter we want you, you're accepted here, and we're going to be working with you, and we want you to get this and have a great experience. Yeah, George, that's all. I mean, it hits on two things that kind of, you know, immediately come into my head. First is, you know, we, <laughs> last couple of years, if you've been uh, paying attention, we've been talking a lot about people skills, right, and, and connecting with people and, and starting to figure out what they are excited about or fearful of coming into lessons and starting to create kind of just that two-way communication and the trust pieces. And, and I think the first thing, you know, I would talk to is people will feel a whole lot more included if they feel like you're making the effort to include them and, and get to know them and understand, you know, what they were, what their hesitations are, what their excitements are, things like that, you know, um, just connecting with them so that you can make the lesson a little bit more, I used the word a couple minutes ago, experience, right? Um, we don't want to put our own preconceived ideas of what their experience is or is going to be, but we want to kind of figure out theirs. And, you know, let's, I guess let's play a game, George. I know in, in working with you and talking with you that you're an avid cyclist, right? Yes. Is that fair to say? Okay. And so I could say that, yeah, just knowing that little bit of information, I could, if you were coming out to snowboard with me, sure, I could talk about things that might, you know, connect with you from cycling, like, you know, looking far ahead when you're doing something or, or using your legs kind of separately or, or just, you know, having good posture. But if I actually asked you, I guess I'll, I'll do it. Let's try it. You know, what do you love about uh, cycling, George? What's the thing that absolutely gets you excited, you know, in inside and outside when you're riding a bike? I love the speed and I really love to push myself hard. And cycling really allows me to be able to do that. So just by that, you know, like we talked a little, I said, I could easily have made the lesson about cycling to make you feel like it seems similar to cycling. But just hearing that, I now understand, you know, one of the, some of the sensations or some of the experiences that you like about something that you already love. And so in our snowboard lesson, it might be about trying to figure out how we can 
feel that speed without, you know, putting us in danger, but still get that sensation or, or feel that uh, achievement of overcoming something that is difficult or pushing ourselves, you know, beyond the limit. So I think we have some opportunity on connecting with people on a different level just by conversations. And then we can make the lesson about the things that maybe, you know, excite them or motivate them and, and the things they do outside of skiing and snowboarding. And so I'd start there is just getting to know them as a person and, and trying to figure out how we can make the lesson a little bit more, you know, engaging with the things that they truly value or the, the things that really motivate them, you know, and then the other piece of it, the second would be, um, I think that sometimes as instructors, we get ingrained in how we teach and, and the physical things that we teach and the order that we teach things in. And I see this all the time when I'm teaching and, uh, and sometimes what I, I like to challenge other instructors to think about is why are we doing certain drills and activities, right? You know, on ski side, you know, we have boot drills and we have one-footed scooter drills and just walking around the boots and the snowboard side, we uh, have a tendency to walk around with one foot in and skate and, and sidestep up the hill. And, and sometimes when I have a student who maybe isn't fit, whether they're a young kid or just an adult who isn't super fit, I just find a way to get them both feet strapped in on super flat terrain and feel the equipment and feel how the equipment moves underneath them and feel little slight movements that they can make and the performance they get. And sometimes I, I don't go right to one-footed activities right out of the gate because I think, like, what do the one-footed activities do? They can teach some skill or maybe they get you a little mobile. But sometimes getting somebody two-footed in right away gets some feeling sensations or it gets them uh, a little bit more mobile with these big heavy pieces of wood and metal on their feet. And so I think my, my comment would be, just kind of questioning why you're choosing activities and how those activities might uh, wear somebody out who isn't used to having big, heavy pieces of equipment on their feet. And and it's something I do all the time. You know, I almost to a fault, there's times where I see a bunch of other snowboard pros starting the beginner lessons and they're skating around and I, I see them start to hang their, their students' jackets up on the fences because people are getting sweaty. And I have my people grab their boards and we go up a little magic carpet. We strap both feet in on super flat terrain at the top and we start to feel twisting the snowboard and moving around the snowboard and jumping a little bit with the snowboard on. And then we start to do some traversing or we start to do some side slips and, and I just get them moving and feeling, you know, the, the actual movement in our sport. Cause you know, ski and snowboard are, are verbs and they're, they're sports in motion. And so safely, I'm not saying go up to the top of the mountain, strap both feet in and hope for the best. But I think sometimes we get ingrained that we have to, you know, create certain activities or look for certain skills but I think we need to know our people and get to know them and, and kind of make decisions that can set them up to have an experience, a safe experience, but an experience, and maybe build the skills where we need them later on. And, and I guess what I'll root that in is snowboarding. A lot of times I don't teach skating as the first thing because I do see it wears some students out. I teach skating when we need to get to the lift or we need to get on and off the lift or, or something like that. But I actually teach a whole lot of lessons where we start with two feet in and just start to feel manipulating the snowboard and and I think that I, I just kind of gauge, you know, what my people and what my students are ready for based on conversations. And I put them in terrain that's going to set them up for success. And I let them feel the sport. And I think that we can do that, in ways, especially with these students who maybe aren't as physically fit, to help them not get worn out right out of the gate. And to give them a chance to get to that point of maybe turning left or turning right or, or hopefully stopping and feeling like they're actually skiing and snowboarding. So I'm in your first time on snowboard class and the seven other people in the class are going heel side and toe side and I'm still scared just going in a straight line. 
what are some things you can do to give me some small wins because I'm feeling really down and like I'm holding the class back now because I'm seeing everybody making so much progress and I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that's real, right? This happens every single day yeah. we're teaching. And I think that the the reality of this is that, um, you know, as instructors, we need to let people know that we all progress differently at, at different speeds and different activities. And that's not any different than anything else we do in life. You know, like it, it, there's tons of things where, sure, on a snowboard, I might be able to go in circles around a student. But if I go into their world, they can probably do things at levels that I can't even fathom. And so really just addressing it from a human, uh, humanistic standpoint of everybody is going to gain skills in, in different experiences at different rates and different speeds and, and acknowledging that that's okay, first and foremost, right? That human level of connecting with the people and, and not having them feel self-conscious. You know, skiing and snowboarding, while they're, you know, social sports at some levels where you're hanging out with family and friends on the slopes, a lot of it is personal experience, and there's no need to rush just because others are seeing more success right out of the gate. And, and you know, I do this all the time where I might have some students uh, trying a couple different activities all at the same time so that they don't feel like they are all having to do the same thing and then measuring each other's success against each other. And it's it, we have it lucky to some extent in the snowboard world because we do have people that go right foot forward, people that go left foot forward. And, and so right there we have – uh, people are already kind of going in different directions on their toes and different directions on their heels potentially and stopping facing different directions. And, and so we have that potential where it isn't quite as obvious that, you know, somebody's skill isn't quite the same uh, because we can be, you know, we're, we're, we're managing a jazz quartet where they're all kind of doing different things in the same zone. And, and so I think that that's really the thing is connecting with people, letting them know it's okay that they don't have to feel rushed don't have to feel like their accomplishments are rated against somebody else's and also just finding ways where people can be refining and working on skills all in the same train and same zone you know i also think uh, one of the things i truly believe in you know when we talk about handling splits it's about managing students of different abilities and different experiences and different levels of willingness to take risk but it's also about making sure that they feel that they have the skills needed to progress and not progressing the group beyond the levels of some of the people that are maybe your, your lowest skills at the beginning and just finding ways to challenge those that are getting a little quicker, you know, setting up opportunities for them to have more repeated practice with feedback, but really making sure that nobody feels rushed to move to the next step or nobody feels like they're getting left behind. I think that's, that's so crucial to not having those people walk away and say, ah, this isn't for me, everybody's better than me, but really just feeling like they're still part of something, that they're working on something, it's okay to progress at their own speed. So almost one of the ways to help that uh, person who is not getting it quite as quickly as the others is to just keep giving the others slightly more difficult things to do that makes that terrain that's starting to get comfortable for them hard again. Correct. Right. It's, it's okay, make a couple more turns or let's try to traverse a little bit further across the hill. Let's, let's try to do activities where we're ramping up the, maybe the difficulty of the outcome, but keeping the terrain the same so that we're not overtraining the person who still needs to be in that zone. And that's, uh, luckily, you know, resorts have, have figured out that beginner train and, and novice train is a huge advantage to, to getting people successful sliding. And, and typically we have a lot of opportunity with uh, length of train or width of train to, to just really ramp up the difficulty of those activities we're trying with some of the people that are maybe catching all up quicker. And I think you brought up a really good word there in conclusion, Brian, 
you said opportunity because I really feel that this student can be very special and wonderful to work with and often becomes a private request. 100%. Uh, I have had request lessons come back from people who, you know, their whole stance is I didn't think I would get this. I didn't think I'd stick with it. And I had such a good time and, and we were able to get some things done. And I felt a, you know, some sense of accomplishment and I'm ready for the next step. I think there's huge opportunity in making sure that everybody feels that they have a place at the resort and the opportunity to, to gain a sport. And George, I'll be honest, some of my best friends in the industry who are great skiers and riders aren't the most physically fit individuals because once you get good at turning left and turning right, you get pretty efficient at it and you don't have to be, you know, in marathon shape. And so I think this, this topic is, is huge to, to give people an opportunity to stick with it and to give them uh, experience during the lesson where they can go out and practice and they feel safe and they know what to practice and they get some sense of mobility on the mountain. And so I absolutely love this, this topic. I love the idea of really diving into how do we do this better and how do we connect with these folks better and give them something that might become their thing. And, and I, I just, I think that there's huge, huge opportunity in this. And I think it's a great kind of topic to jump into. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Really great to connect with you. George, thank you. As always, it's a pleasure. Team member Brian Donovan joining us on First Chair from the PSIA ASI Satellite Studios in Hood River, Oregon. I'm George Thomas.